0: Lock
1: Talk radio
0: Welcome to Dream Reality, New Earth Radio. Reminding you that the choice is yours. I'm Dr. Dream with my co host Ilya Nabatovsky. And now, on with the show. My co-host is...
2: And I am Ilya Nabotovsky. Dr. Dream, how are you doing?
0: You know, I'm doing good. It's the last day of January, so the first month of 2012 is behind us, you know, in a matter of hours. It's amazing to me that things have moved um, as quickly as as they have. I mean, I don't know why it's so amazing, because, you know, that's what this time is all about, but... Wow, I'm telling you. How's everything back east, Julia?
2: Oh, man, everything here is getting better and better, and you know me, and I love the weather that's here in New York right now, especially today. Um, you know, I got to tell you, today was absolutely beautiful. It was sunny. It was warm. It reminded me so much of the West Coast, and I just loved it, and um, I've been feeling great. I've been feeling absolutely amazing.
0: Well, Ilya, you sound good. Um how's how are the weekly events going in New York City?
2: Well, the weekly events are going great. I am um practicing more with my uh meditation technique, with my channeling, with being a clear channel of light and of source and just getting clearer and clearer. I've been taking more um more superfoods, and I was just telling you before the show um, I, I I bought some raw cacao and I've I've been taking this stuff in the past couple of days and I gotta tell you this stuff's amazing. I mean I've been I, I've never had so much energy. I mean not that I can remember and you could probably hear it in my voice now. Uh, but you know just today I had some raw cacao with some fresh fruits and I I ran I I worked out. I mean I did so much and. Um I'm just feeling great so that's what's happening on my end but uh how are things uh back on the west coast? You know
0: everything is is good here there's from my end there's just a lot of excitement. Um I'm looking at uh, a trip here in the next couple of weeks uh to San Francisco um actually where our guest is from. And um I'll be doing some things with Laura Fox and Jillian and the crew at the uh Best of Raw Awards on Sunday, February nineteenth. And then I thought um maybe on Saturday do something in Santa Cruz um and uh maybe a couple other areas around there reminiscent of some of the uh the touring that uh that we used to do. So excited about that and um yeah things are,
2: life is good
0: life is is good and i'm I'm just happy to be here
2: excellent excellent i'm I'm really glad to hear that and um you know, I just want to really express um uh my gratitude to you and all of the beings that have been joining us on our radio show um we started this doing we started doing this radio show, what was it about march, and you know we're almost uh you know we're almost at our year uni- uh, anniversary how awesome
0: is that i love that you know for me it's been a process that's evolved over the last 6 years 7 years but it really stepped up um the the process um when you and i uh moved it on over to blog talk radio um and just um well it's it's just been amazing and and our guests i mean i telling you, I, a couple of days ago, I was looking. We we got 133 recordings available on iTunes. Search Doctor Dream, or go to the archive on drdream.com, Um All available for free. Uh, 133. After tonight, uh, it'll be 134. And it's just incredible to me the 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 beings, the amazing beings that that have. Assisted us in in our own process, because you know it starts off with us doing this and then and then spreads from there and so tonight's guest is i mean certainly in line with with what I'm talking about, um, as far as the the caliber of those that have joined us on the dream reality new Earth radio broadcast. Um, Gary Malkin is a seven-time Emmy Award-winning musician, composer, and producer. He spent 14 seasons on the successful television series Unsolved Mysteries and built up a career as a journeyman for over a 1,000 commercials with regional and national ad agencies and featured films. Um, Also performed on the stage of the Great Hall of China in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. I'm using his sound talent to found wisdom of the world and speak to many hearts and souls about the creation of media medicine. I like this media medicine for the mind. Now his bio goes on and on and on from here. He is an amazing being. I've had the honor of of meeting Gary at several events in the last six months and. I don't know. You know, before I got hit in the head, uh, before I, you know, the, the, the next thing, if we didn't invite him on the show was I was going to get a two by four to the head saying, OK, you know, the universe saying we keep putting Gary in front of you. Will you do something? So not <laughs> only not only am I thrilled to have Gary Malkin on our show tonight, but I look forward to collaborating with you, Gary, in the future. I know you're here. I heard your your joyful laugh.
3: <laughs> well, I'm just laughing at what you're saying. Yeah, it would be wonderful to collaborate and this is the first of hopefully many. So thank you for having me on.
0: Gary, I have to tell you, um <clears throat> I meet a whole lot of people, as as I'm I as I know you do and, and all of us in this field that are putting ourselves out there. Um, from the moment I met you, you came up to me. I was emceeing uh, the um uh a film, a panel on film with Mickey Willis at um, at Leaders Causing Leaders, and right. your energy is so attracting, so like uh, magnetic that um, I met you and it was funny. You came up to me and and asked me about myself, and I I couldn't talk so much at that moment. But right. um, the more each time I met you, I learned a little more about you, and then of course I did um, a bunch more research. Um, You've really, really impressed me, and I don't believe this is the first time you've heard that in your life, is it? You know, although
3: the ego part of me loves to be impressive, I'm mostly interested in getting out of the way to serve uh, the the Great Awakening and people's uh, alignment, so thank you for that, but my intention is to really use the trajectory of impressing people so they can pay attention to the things I'm most passionate about. So if being impressed will help you or others get to know about the work that I do, then that's great. I love it. Hello. I don't,
0: I I don't hang out on the surface very much, Gary. So when I say you've impressed me, I've been impressed by your heart. And so um, I just wanted to kind of, uh, You know, put that out there because um, that's not something I could say to everyone I meet um, or anything like that. And I truly am thrilled to have you on. Now, you are quite accomplished. I mean, just the the, the paragraph I read, which doesn't even scratch the surface of what Gary Malkin has um, accomplished uh, professionally and otherwise, in this life, uh, you know, I mean, that, that just just barely scratched the surface. But, um, boy, you've got a lot of experiences before we get into, you know, what the the exciting stuff and, and, and your transformation, and everything like that. Tell me a little bit about, you know, Gary Malkin, the little boy growing up and, and <laughs> where and, and what was life like? I, I just want us all to sort of have a little bit of a foundation leading yeah. into the great work that you're doing now.
3: Yeah, thanks. Well, you know, it's so funny that the more we get older, the more we come back to our core essence of who we are, and you can trace that back to the very earliest beginnings. And, you know, the older you get, the less embarrassed you are about your roots. So I grew up in Long Island, New York. Uh, Rockville Center was my hometown, and I was steeped in that whole, you know, the suburbs of Broadway, right? And um, my family wasn't musical at all, and they weren't even artistic at all. I was at a friend's house, and I was about four and a half years old, five years old. And my mother came to pick me up, and there was this little M&E chord organ. Um, and I sat down on the keyboard before my mom came, and noticed my right hand went to this thing. And all of a sudden, I just t- totally knew how to create a melody based on something I heard, and then played the chords instantly, because it just felt like home. And my mother came into the door, and I was playing this piece of music. And the, the friend's mother said, I didn't know he was studying piano. And my mother's jaw dropped and said, I didn't know either. And uh, <laughs> she said, you better get the kid a piano, you know. And it turned out that I had a really great year. And, um, and you know, I was a very lovable, effusive child that um, when music came into my life, it was around the time when my older sister, who was three years older than me, stopped being interested in playing with me. So music uh, ended up becoming this portal into into presence, into being accompanied with companionship at a very ethereal level. And I remember taking to it like a moth to flame. And within literally weeks, I was playing without any lessons anything I could hear. And um, so, I, you know, I started writing music. I started writing music at eight years old. I started uh, directing and writing musicals when I was 11 and 12. And I loved Broadway, and I loved the way that music was used as a way to open the heart, as a way to just wear your heart on your sleeve and, and really reflect the beautiful stories that Life Proof it presents. So that's the, the early stuff. I'll tell you the thing that really moved me to become a film composer was a key moment, um, if I may. Uh, there was this experience when I was homesick. And in the East Coast, there was a thing called the Million Dollar Movie. Um, they played the same movie at the same time every morning uh, for all those people that stayed sick from school. And I, I remember they were playing The Miracle Worker featuring Patty Duke. And that scene, and all I have to do is say that scene because everyone that knows this movie knows immediately what I'm talking about, is the scene when Helen Keller finally learns, uh, acquiesces, and starts to um, learn uh, sign, sign language, and it was the scene at the water pump, is what they, uh, with Anne Bancroft and Patty Duke, and um, I just, there was the moment when I recognized the alchemy of music in a story that absolutely opened me up to the empathy of the experience of what she was what Helen Keller was going through. And and I was you know, I'd been playing piano by five or six years by that point, And I, I said to myself I, I was sobbing, basically, on behalf of Helen Keller's experience and I realized that's what I want to do. I want to be a subliminal force for opening people's hearts so they don't even know what hit them that's what i want to do and that's 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 the experience i had larry rosenthal was the creator of the score for that film and i've i've been able to tell him that that was the reason i ended
0: up going into film composing oh wow i love that now <clears throat> tell me something your parents um and the rest of your family were they emotionally based
3: it's a good question um you know there was a lot of love and 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 a uh, connection and uh, reaction and you know a typical New York Jewish uh, dysfunctional family. So <laughs> it was. In fact, we used to put on shows. This is your life. Queen for a day. We'd like on rainy days. We'd put the blanket up and and uh, and and act out uh, the television dramas that we were seeing on TV. So it was a dramatic, um, emotionally based family. It was, but. In the way that most New York Jewish families were, it was also incredibly intrusive. Um, you know, people were taking food from each other's plates and interrupting each other. And in a way, music became a place that I aligned to a almost a lifetime before, like a recognition that I that we had the birthright to be in a state of presence that was beyond interpersonal. Because when I played piano, I I found a sanctuary. That nobody could interrupt and ironically the very thing that i most lacked as a child which was say my mother or my father just being present you know allowing there to be silences and spaces between sentences there was very little of that and so music actually provided the the part of the seas if you were and enabled me to have a rest in the very experience of sound as my portal into presence itself. And ironically, that's really funny because that's the core experience or raison d'etre that uh, Wisdom of the World is all about. Uh, And who knew that at this time, 2012, the greatest malady of our time, uh, or one of them, let's say, is what I call awareness fragmentation disorder, which is everybody's running around, including me, like, you know, this chicken with his head cut off, and presence becomes the greatest rare commodity of our time so that's that's it's ironic that i lacked it and i became a specialist in using music to create it which is a part of my self-healing really
0: it's really beautiful what you've done i have seen you perform once um for what would be a relatively small group the enlightened entrepreneur summit um in in irvine toward the end of last year and um it it's just, I was immediately drawn in. It, it was a, really a, a lovely experience to have, and I didn't know what to expect. You know, you're just up there with uh, wa- walked up to a electronic keyboard, and um, and I looked around the audience, and and I wasn't the only one that was so beautifully drawn in. And so you, and and the awards and everything. I mean, it, it's obvious that you've you've channeled this this energy that is you, that is residing in the core of who you are into what you do, and that's that's amazing. Really, really <laughs> amazing. Now, tell me what, um, so at what point did you just absolutely no, unequivocally that you were going to be that it was going to be all about music for you i mean did you did you bypass the i want to be a fireman and i mean i grew up um in a dysfunctional jewish uh, family in nebraska and you know for about a year and a half i wanted to be a rabbi that was somewhere between my <laughs> fireman and policeman days or something What did,
1: did, you, no, skip, no, for me did you skip all music. that
3: yeah yeah yes. I skipped it all. The gift was so clear. i mean I once you know a, a psychic once said that a piece of Mozart entered my soul like, like I came from you know one of those one of those beings. It was so clear to me i mean i don 't profess to claim that that happened, but it was just so clear that music was given to me and um and I always knew um whether it was going to be as a composer, my hero um was Leonard Bernstein. You know, I wanted to be a composer, a conductor for Broadway, for convention, for, you know, serious classical music on the stage. I wanted I wanted to be an educator and you know, Leonard Bernstein was such a, you know, Herculean presence in my life and and I used to go and on the Long Island Railroad at the age of 11, my mother let me go alone on the train to oh, the goodness. Lincoln Center. I used to go and <laughs> get standing room only tickets to watch Leonard Bernstein conduct. I mean, I had I had it made as a child. I just had New York as my playground, and my mom was kind of a ditzy blonde that just let me do a lot of things that most mothers wouldn't let you do. And, and I, no, I always knew that that was going to be it, and I got to see Broadway shows and, and, uh, and symphonic productions, and, and it was just the best. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think that I was given – you know, it's really funny. I had some friends of mine that uh, at the age of 13 when we went into seventh grade were so tight – In there having to practice every day and having to do classical music from the age of five but my mother and father didn't know better um, and so they let me just do whatever i wanted until i really hungered for more conventional training so around 12 i really started practicing classics and really learning mozart and bach and beethoven and everything but my first seven years i was an arranger i i instantly improvised everything i could hear and developed a great style as a composer those first 7 years were crucial to my developing myself as a composer because my parents didn't constrict me into all these rules of that you must practice and you know all that. So, you know, any pe- anybody that's listening if you have children, you know, that that have a gift, it's really great to let that gift to give structure but not give structure so it con- you know confines them too much and that's what happened to me.
0: Well, it definitely worked for you. Now, Gary, um, you know, in my own life I realized that um Certainly, when the path is smooth, um I'm learning things most certainly, but my greatest lessons have come from the most challenging times in my life of course. um and so talk to us about some of your greatest lessons and some of the challenges early on. There's a couple of stories of yours that um that that are hard hitting to listen to, but must have been incredibly hard hitting um, to live through.
3: Well, well, first I want to start with just this one seminal moment as an early composer for film, because I always had the gift and the desire to, like I said, to subliminally support a, an aha transformational moment, um, like I told you about that Helen Keller experience. So, just as a precursor to that question, I I remembered early in my career I scored the first. Freedom of Information Act film that revealed that uh nuclear energy was killing Americans in during peacetime the ones that were downwind from the um, nuclear power plants and I did a, a definitive score a score for definitive film that revealed this through Freedom of Information Act information that came out of the Congress. And and um, I was in the back of the room. It was Alice Tully Hall. It was like, hear me, the prodigal son. I came back to New York, you know, my first major motion picture at the age of 29 years old. And um, I was in the back of the room, and at the end of the film, there's a sequence that, you know, it's a very de- depressing depressing film. It's called Dark Circle. And it was a a watershed event in revealing information about how nuclear power was really destroying us. And the air was thick with despair because of the evidence that the film delivered. And in the end of the film, the the motif for the film was the continuance of the geese migrations that have been going on for hundreds of thousands of years. And during the spoken word, it said, maybe it's not the experts that are going to get out of this mess. Maybe it's you and me that are actually going to have to speak up. And you were watching these geese, and the filmmaker said, we need music to be hopeful, because nothing in the film has given them hope. So I wrote this theme with orchestra and oboe, and I was in the back of the room as a as a bystander, and you could feel the air was thick as a knife. You could cut it, and it was... You, nobody was breathing. It was Everybody was in that experience of just fear and despair. And oy, oy vey, what are we going to do? And, and the, the geese came and the oboe melody came and the orchestra swelled. And I swear to God, Dr. Dream, I had this experience of seeing the air lighten, feeling the room of about, you know, a thousand people <sighs> exhale yeah. en masse. And I suddenly realized at the age of 29, holy blank, I, <laughs> this is so much more than just composing music. This is a responsibility to reveal, to create something that allows people to assimilate content that will ultimately translate into an action that will enable them to be a social activist that will leave the world a better place. I, I had a, just a true epiphany. And I, that's when I decided, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I have got to create music not only for socially responsible films, but for experiences that release, that create that deep exhale, that allow people to feel deeply, remember who they are, and connect to what matters most so that they can be the change they want to see in the world. And that's when I made that decision. So that—that that, I just feel like I, there was a context setter for me that I'll never forget as long as I live and be careful what you wish for because the moment you start on that path the universe immediately presents many challenges that will bring you down and ask oh do you really want to do that? <laughs> are you sure about that, you know? And I and I had quite a few of of those kinds. And you know everyone does if you live long enough and you've invited a a, a spiritual awakening to become who you really are. Invariably, the universe tests you to strengthen and let go of you know all your attachments to identity and ego and and all that. And so, I'd say that the biggest, the thing that you're referring to, I think, which was my big epiphany in 1998, was you know I I from 1979 to 1998 I had a huge career, uh, although it wasn't huge in the film in the way that I wanted it to have in film because feature film. Dramatic feature films was always my primary goal, but I fell in love with making a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had golden handcuffs. I did 15 years of Unsolved Mysteries, and and, and and the people that were making Unsolved Mysteries, they were a phenomenal production <laughs> company, Cosgrove Muir. They were great, John Cosgrove and Terry Muir, and they were loyal to me, even though I lived in the Bay Area. So I, I made a lot of money doing commercials and TV, and and just you know what happens when you make a lot of money when you're young is you it reinforces this false belief that it's that it's easy to get come by and that it it actually is a reflection of your value <laughs> and i uh i i learned really the hard way um you know at the, at the peak of my income and career and you know i was the biggest You know, that was the biggest music company in the Bay Area, certainly. It was the only one that was doing national work living in San Francisco. And I had a serious fall, you know, crash. Um, At the time when I was married and I had a six-year-old daughter and everything was working, everything shattered. I had an accident. My wife left me. It all happened in one summer, the summer of 1998. I won't go into all the gory details, but looking back, it was... The greatest gift from grace I had ever been given because there was a way in which I was completely identified with how I was seen in the world. My value came from my fame and fortune and my sense of how people saw me. It didn't come, even though I was very, you know, I had a great heart and I was spiritually connected and I did all the work that every new age California man would would have done by the 70s <laughs> on. You know, you name it, I did it. And I always did it undercover in the weekends. Nobody ever knew. My clients never knew. You know, I was always keeping a double life. But I crashed. I crashed. It was ugly. It was I was roadkill by July or August 98. Everything was shattered, and honestly, I didn't know if I'd ever play the piano again. I, my, my wrist was shattered in eighteen pieces, and other b- parts of my body were fucked up. Pardon my French, and I just uh, had to look at: okay, if life is not a rehearsal, then how do you want to live it, and what do you want? How do you want to use your gift? And I had a year where I didn't know if I'd ever play the piano again, and I I had to really look at: okay, God, what? What is this really about? And it was inspired. I don't, I think I'm, I'll think i leave a moment for space for you to interact now because it's a lot. It's a lot to say. But <laughs> that experience was the moment when I reevaluated and saw that, you know, I could die at any moment. And the truth is, I did die. The being that I was died. And I used that opportunity to create with this dear, beloved, creative partner of mine at the time, Michael Stillwater, who was my co-creative partner at the time, we created a work that changed my life and that continues to this day to inform very much what Wisdom of the World as a company is all about. So we can go into giving you an example of that in a minute, but I'll take a breath here.
0: Okay. Well, I love this. Um, I, I mean, I don't love what happened to you, but I do love the reminder... And I will just tell you several, at least two major scenarios in my own life came up um, where I was aware of my gifts that I'm here to bring forth, but I lost my way. And life has a way of bringing us back into alignment.
1: Hmm.
0: And uh, these are, I mean, these are, these are the powerful lessons, but, but without yeah, them, you know, I wouldn't want to go through those things again. But at the same time, I look back and I'm like, wow, if that hadn't happened, um, you know, I wouldn't be where I am now. I would be way off, off course. And so exactly. um, it's, 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 it's powerful. You know, we just can't back down from what we know our lives to be about because, you know, source energy is going to confront us with that, whatever your belief system is, you know, God, source energy, karma, you know, whatever it is, you're going to be confronted by it. Um, and well, so, you
3: know, and not only that, Dr. Dream, but I also feel like that the experience, you know, the Dalai Lama says that to live the life of the most fulfillment, you prepare for your dying the moment you're born. And uh, honestly, it sounds so antithetical to the way the youth culture of our, you know, the Western culture runs. But what I've learned is death as a metaphor, death as a way of life, death as a spiritual maturation tool is, turns out, to be the most powerful way to cultivate a radical gratitude for being alive. Um, And so those dark loss experiences are the ones that really wake us up. And make us realize, oh my God, am I so grateful to be six feet above the ground right now? You know, and and it really cuts it down to the core.
0: Yeah. Now tell me, just before we move on from here, how old, how old is your daughter today?
3: She's 20 years old. She just turned 22 days ago. She's at huh. a great a great college, Kenyon College in Ohio, and uh, and honestly, she um, the love that she uh, you know i almost lost her at childbirth uh, this is you know i've had many brushes with death from the moment i was from when i was 22 i was the the godfather of a child that that died in an accident that i was a part of um and my daughter you know was born and we didn't know if she'd survive uh, they were in in icu for for you know about 4 hours before we knew she was going to make it so
4: mm.
3: i've had uh, and that's part of why We created this work. Um, You know, my whole thing, Dr. Dream, has been to use the presence and the power and the healing power of music to drop us into a new experience of the present moment during the transitions of our lives. So, you know, we created a book with my partners just recently. We launched Safe in the Arms of Love, Deepening the Essential Bond with Your Baby, to re-inspire the new parents who are using all these digital toys while they're nursing and, and, and bonding, to, you know, which prevents the true bonding from happening. And so, you know, for me, I'm just really aware of those epicenters in life from the, begin, the beginning of birth or the end or the initiation of illness or, or the moments of, uh, you know, those moments of loss that are the little deaths. I think that those are the perfect opportunities to strengthen and deepen who we are. And that's what, you know, so so Jen, and my daughter's name is Genevieve, she created uh, this force of understanding the powerful energies of being a father and the attachments that you form. It's just a mind-blowing, this, this experience of being a father and a parent. It's just amazing. I'm so privileged that I had that experience.
0: I just I love hearing you speak about um your daughter and and the experience you've had uh with her and your relationship. I have an 11-year-old daughter who just um you know, is my greatest teacher and just absolutely means the world to me. Um and um yeah, if if I find myself in a moment that I'm not feeling particularly blessed Um, too caught up in the illusion as it were all i need to do ever is to think of my daughter maya ananda which translates as bliss within the illusion and that's that's all it takes it just brings me right back to what i know the the real truths are it's so true
3: yeah it's so true i mean that that is so beautiful 11 years old what a great age (laughs) You know, it's funny. I, I actually think it would be a great time to share something, as long as we're talking about our fruits of gratitude. Um, there's, if I may do a little preface to one of the tracks I sent you. Oh, please. Yeah. So what you're about to hear, I'd like to share is, because we were just talking about the things that we have to be grateful for. And to me, you know, there, there's been a lot around the gratitude movement. Go Gratitude and org and, this all started, at least in earnest, by Brother David Steindl-Rast. His followers started a website called Gratefulness.org, and I highly recommend uh, listeners go to it. It's a beautiful site; about a million people go to it a month from, from 30 countries, and it's just a great place to go. And I had the opportunity, along with you know, my one of my what Wisdom of the World is is uh, is a place where I record authentic, spontaneous messages from people of presence. And I ask them to speak a a, a compassionate message to someone as if their life depended upon what you're about to hear. So I ask Brother David, if you were to say something about gratitude, what would it be? And I record him for about an hour, and then I edit it, and then I score it. I score it to music. And, And that track I call an alchemical wisdom track or a wisdom track. And so I did that, and lo and behold, a few months later, it got set to images by the Gratefulness.org team, and you can find it on their website to still images. And in three weeks, it's six hundred thousand views on YouTube. Wow! And now, if you go to MovingArt.com or YouTube and you click on Louis Schwartzberg's gratitude piece, go you know for gratitude. This is now over a million hits. Have uh, actually been looking at this piece on gratitude. It's gorgeous, and Louis. Louis Schwartzberg is one of the most celebrated cinematographers of our time, and he set this track to, to images as well. So I'd love to play a piece of it. We don't have to play all of it. It's just maybe the first, you know, the 60 seconds or something. But um, it's basically an experience of pure, authentic, intimate spoken word combined with simple music. The music's not complicated at all. But the alchemy between the two creates something a third that you can't really define and i'd love you to experience it so um that this is called uh a good day and if okay. you set that up that would be
0: great yep here we go
1: think this is just another day in your life it's not just another day it's the one day that is given to you today it's given to you it's a gift it's the only gift that you have right now and the only appropriate response is gratefulness. If you do nothing else but to cultivate that response to the great gift that this unique day is, if you learn to respond as if it were the first day in your life, and the very last day, then you will have spent this day very well.
0: Wow! Well, I hate to i i even uh, i even hate no, to no. before. <laughs> I've listened no, to all leave them so.
3: wanting more. Leave them wanting more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've I've had the most um, amazing afternoon listening to the tracks that you sent ahead um and of course found myself really you know quite relaxed and 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 comfortable so this is a good day now tell me who who's the voice
3: brother david Steindl-Rast. he's a benedictine monk his followers founded gratefulness.org and he's known as the godfather of the gratitude movement and uh he's a beautiful human being a beloved soul in the spiritual movement and he's from austria and uh and I, I have, in the last 13 years, Dr. Dreen, I have recorded probably more than 120 90 minute to two hour interviews with some of the most remarkable people on the planet Desmond Tutu, Kristen Northrop, Thich Nhat Hanh, Ram Dass, Elizabeth Kubler Ross before she died. And in, in particular, my goal I, I, was basically capturing messages, mentoring messages spoken in the second person so i'm asking them if someone's life depended upon what you were about to say around an issue that mattered most to being human and mindful and aware what would you say and so i've gotten these beautiful messages that i have in an archive that i'm seeking uh, our nonprofit is seeking funding for it to actually archive and make it available to everyone online um, and that's the LivingLibrary.org that we haven't set up yet, but it, we will. And uh, that so that Brother David is one of those messages we we have recorded, and we hope to set many of them to music and images.
0: I I, I just I think it's great. I'm I'm just really impressed with the project, um, and it really it, it just makes so much sense. And and my my background is hardcore sales and marketing. And so there's this aspect of packaging. Now, some people can say, oh, you know, well, you can't think about, about packaging. But, I mean, when we talk to someone, in a sense, we're packaging what we're saying. Anytime we have a, an interaction with someone or, or any sort of energetic between people, um, in the grandest sense, there's a packaging involved. Well, I love this because it's just such a beautiful way to get these these. Truths out. And, and yes. as I say, I've been listening to these now um, this afternoon, and I'm just like, oh, wow, and I feel so good now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, I, I get, you know, for me, we teach and offer the things we need to learn, that, that we need most, the, the things we need to learn most. My biggest shadow is the belief that doing one more thing will, or, or, or seizing one, or producing one more, and, you know, and the doing being balanced. I am the perfect uh, product of my civilization, which is I'm imbalanced as a doing being. So uh, I would like to bring my balance to more like 60 being and 40 doing. And right now I'd say I'm more like 80 doing and 20 being. And it's not acceptable to me. So I use music as a tool, to, as an antidote for the times that that, uh, rush us. And make us multitask and be available twenty four seven on on internet and blah 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 and so so, I actually am very selfish. <laughs> I actually create opportunities for me to drop in to source, get out of the way, and create beauty so that we can be remembered who remind ourselves who we are and what matters most. you know one of the things that I love about these the wisdom tracks, and by the way, anyone can experience the fruit of this work after ten. Let's see. It's been 14 years since that that accident I had, and that's when the epiphany started this whole project. But w- since those 14 years, we have lots of contemplative music tracks on our website, wisdomoftheworld.com, and wisdom tracks, and now wisdom films. And you can see these wisdom films for free by going to hulu.com/slash wisdom of the world in, in hyphen it, in hyphens. And the reason I'm mentioning this is it's it's free, number one. But number two. It's the idea is for those of us who are afraid to start a contemplative practice, for those of us who know that we need more being in our life, for those of us who have done a yoga class and know that the whole point of a yoga class is getting to the shavasana pose, the the, the corpse pose, mm-hmm. then these films are for all the couch potatoes that know that their years can be added to their life if they just added a little bit more, you know, uh, cortisol and dropped in and got quiet. And got and got in that meditation meditative space, and so the the wisdom films are designed for couch potatoes that want to have training wheels into a contemplative practice. So I just wanted to, in fact, if we could play a little excerpt of one of them, the the, the Deepak I don't know if you have Deepak. Um,
0: yes, actually but, that I do have that.
3: Oh, good. Well, it, what I love about the Deepak track is. I I realized, Dr. Dream, that the hallmark of emotional and spiritual maturity is the cultivation of that experience of the witness within. When you think about it, those who are not emotionally intelligent or who who have, let's say, areas to grow in in that arena are the ones who are so identified with what they're doing at every moment that there's no one watching the store. You know what I mean? There's no one in the driver's seat watching the one who's watching, so to speak. So uh, Deepak Chopra talks about that the heart of abundance, the core of being abundant, is to cultivate the voice within, the the, the watcher within. So if you want it, you can hear this is the the audio track to the wisdom film Cultivating Stillness um, by Deepak.
0: Okay, let me...
5: relax your body, observe your breath as it goes in and out, now move your awareness into the area of your heart, allow your ego to move out of the way and you will get in touch with your spirit be grateful you my friend are not your thoughts you are the thinker of the thoughts the thoughts come from you so where are you you are in the stillness, the silence between your thoughts. That stillness, that silence is you, and that you is the window. the infinite mind. The mystery we call God is whispering to you in the silent space between your thoughts. It is for this reason that the great wisdom tradition say be still and know that I am God. That's cool. Yeah. Wow.
0: So, so talk to me about how that one came about. Gary, did were you there with Deepak and recorded this and then you do your stuff later? Yeah, yeah. So
3: what I love about this process, it's like why you do what you do, Dr. Dream, is that you get to be, hold space for the magic to come through. I mean the interviewing process is such a beautiful experience because it's it's such a dance with spirit, you know. So Deepak was, he fell in love with the work Graceful Passages that really set me on this course. Uh, after that accident, I worked with Michael on creating this work that was Graceful Passages, a Companion for Living and Dying. It's a book and CD set that I highly recommend you get, if, uh, uh, the listeners get. And it's a beautiful emotional maturation tool for, it's cultivating, you know, the, the making friends with loss as a way to cultivate Radical Gratitude, and Deepak loved this work, and he put, I was on his radio show, and I said, hey, Deepak, you know, I was on your show. Can I interview you now? And so I recorded him in La Jolla, and it was really funny because I, Deepak is notoriously on his uh, BlackBerry constantly, you know, and I, I required, I had to pull the BlackBerry out of the out of the studio,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and I, I tried, I tried for a little bit, and, uh, you know, I basically asked him, you know, if you, same thing. If you were going to say something to someone about that was the most important trim tab for awakening, you know, around prosperity, around presence, around emotional maturity, what would you say? So he gave me five. Again, I call it. I like to call it heart jazz because there's something crackling. Well, it's exactly what we're going through right now, Doctor Dream. It's like I, I'm not deliberating or planning what I'm saying. And that when you actually ask somebody to step out of the way of their ego and offer something in support of the great awakening or of the simple awakening of one individual and for compassionate mentoring, it's so beautiful how we humans show up when we're able to give ourselves, our true selves to someone. And so I've had these experiences where I'm just sobbing in the studio or tears or chills are coming down merely because I invited them to make a, a, an offering of their words. One of the most powerful ones that I ever can remember was from the unlikely place of Bob Proctor. Because I don't know about you, but I didn't like, I, I, you know, I love Bob Proctor now. But in The, in the Secret, it was a bit intense. <laughs> it, was, it was, you, you know, it was, a little, it was very intense. And when I got to in the studio with him, I learned that Bob was one of the most beautiful, spiritual divinely guided human beings I've ever met. And so the message we have on his wisdom film, it's like, you know, his 25-year CEO heard the message I had scored and edited and she was sobbing. She'd never heard Bob sound this way. So there's there's something that happens when we ask, to get, ask ourselves to get out of the way of self-promotion and just offer something in support of someone else going through a hard time. And that's, all these interviews are what it's like. So Deepak did this and I edited it and scored it and then we got David Fortney's beautiful cinematography to to go and create the wisdom film. So yeah, and you know, honestly, Dr. Dream, it's been hard because in a world where media is used as a as a you know, as a um as a drug to numb out, or as a drug to feed our adrenaline fixes for fear, or as a way to just simply just, you know, fill space. The idea of using a five-minute media experience as a way to drop into who you are and what matters most and drop into what the HeartMath Institute calls coherence is a word that actually defines a physiological state. It's been challenging for me to convey that you could use media to cultivate your own way of being sustainable, your own way of behaving sustainably. Um, And so I really appreciate your opportunity on this show to talk about it because the question is, are people willing to use media in a way that drops them into a a life-enhancing, you know, fruitful, reverential, open, and generative state? Or is media going to be forever the, you know, the opiate of the masses? and That question, I still haven't, the only way I'll know about it is people actually started using wisdom films as an inductive tool the way it was intended to be used. And uh, hopefully uh, some of your audience will
2: start doing that. Absolutely. Wow, Wow, Gary, I mean, listening to to the beautiful music and the sounds have just been really heart-opening for me. And I want to ask you, um, have you ever encountered people experiencing uh, healings because I know that this is not just um you know regular media this is media medicine and exactly. I just wanted uh your view on what what media medicine means to you in that sense.
3: Yeah. Wow beautiful Ilya. um I call music and conscious media the last unregulated drug. I I I I give Keynote talks to i 'm giving a keynote talk at the Institute for functional medicine's conference on um, on endocrine imbalances now i don 't talk about anything medical, but stress is caused from hormonal imbalances is what i 've learned from the medical world that i that I speak to sometimes and i 'm finding this tipping point this critical mass where the doctors and the nurses are so tired of the pharmacological-driven industry, uh, they're dying for, literally, they're dying for non-pharmacological ways to help their patients drop in, not only for better compliance of their drug protocols, but for dropping in to that state of coherence, that state of of reduced stress. So, honestly, I think that music medicine and media medicine, we have just scratched the surface uh, of where we are going to go about using music and immersive media experiences as a way to drop into that present moment. When Eckhart Tolle talks about that the power of now is the most generative moment that if we can be fully now that that there's never anything wrong in the present moment. You know there's nothing when you're in the now entirely. You know what I mean, Dr. Dream?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah,
3: so so if you create music or media That actually enhances your capacity to be in awe and beauty and inspiration and be fully now. I actually heard about a study by Dr. Jonathan Haidt, who who is known for his TED Talks. But he did a theory called the theory of elevation. And, you know, you mentioned Mickey Willis. I love that word, elevate. Mm -hmm. But. But the, the theory of elevation is they studied. This is the kind of thing that you know, boneheads don't need to prove this. You know, it's it's a uh, But the science world they finally physiologically proved that when you are touched, moved, and inspired, in tears and chills and yawns, that you know that when you know what it's like when you're really moved and you start yawning, you have chi- you have chills. Well, they actually proved that our bodies are physiologically and anatomically running and metabolically running at their highest highest potential. And so when I heard that, I went, phenomenal. We finally have something that proves that when you have your daily, minimum daily requirement of inspiration, an MDR of of inspiration, that you're actually adding years to your life. And my theory is, the reason is, because when you're inspired and you're touched and you're moved, and when you use the power of art to do that or the power of music, it enhances your capacity to be in the present moment. And to me, the present moment is the mother of all life generation. You know, so that, that's the core of everything wisdomoftheworld.com is about, everything that I'm about musically. And, you know, frankly, that's one of the reasons why I got so excited about scoring the film Thrive, which I'd love to talk about if we could. But, um, but I don't want to move the topic, topic Ilya, because you talked about media medicine. That's my response to that question.
2: Wow. Well, thank thank you for answering. And you talk about being in the present moment, which is truly so important, especially nowadays with all the stuff that's going on around us. And this also connects to the idea of surrender. And I was reading um, your bio, and you talk about how by surrendering, you allowed life to flow through you, and you allow yourself to really move through life with grace and ease. So. Can you just talk to us about surrender and what that means
3: to you? It's funny you say this because, you know, the the way I was taught or mentored into surrender is, you know, when I had that accident or when my dad died or when, when my daughter, I didn't know if she'd survive. Or, you know, and, and so part of when I give keynotes, one of the things I used to do is I go, if there was a grand piano on the stage, which I always love to integrate in my talks, I'd play a note on the piano. And I ask people to get present to the attack of the piano, the full-bodied sound of the note, and watch it and listen to it die away. And it's such a beautiful metaphor for a human life. Um, And for a moment. It's like every moment is an opportunity to show up for it fully and to let it go. And uh, every idea that we have, every, every picture, every expectation... Is all for the purposes of letting go. So music is a beautiful training ground or metaphor for that act of surrender. But but I you know I I really have to tell you that my greatest teacher I hate to sound morbid but you know Woody Allen says the greatest thing about dying is that you don't have to that you know you can do it lying down you know but <laughs> I, I I love what I've learned from dying literally and metaphorically. I lost my sister three years ago and. It, you know, it was horrific. I lost her from brain cancer, and it was it was horrific. And the way we show up to that ultimate surrender, which we are not in control of, and none of us know when we're gonna, how long we're gonna be here. The way we can show up to our loved ones and to ourselves when we're completely out of control, really determines who we are and how much capacity we have for joy. Gratitude and connection with others. And um my my greatest teacher has been death and music. Um in, in the art of surrender. Um so that's that's my response to your to your comment about that.
0: Beautiful Gary, I really um it it's I, I just I just love hearing your stories and, and um how how you've connected um, your experiences and and given them meaning and 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 grown from them now um there's there's a film out right now that has um, garnered a lot of attention and um certainly is assisting people in in their awakening process that film is called thrive now tell us your involvement how that happened and 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 the current role that you are uh are playing with this
3: I appreciate you saying that. Um, Thank you. Um, Well, first of all, you know, the tagline for Wisdom of the World is called Media for a Meaningful Life. That's my subtitle. And I, like I told you, that experience in 1981 when I did that anti-nuclear film, I've been doing socially responsible films, scoring them, uh, or PSAs, public service announcements, for, you know, 30-plus years. So uh, one of the things I'm really proud of also is I did the music for the Awakening the Dreamer Symposium, which is really a phenomenon. It's the function of the Pachamama Alliance, Pachamama.org, P-A-C-H-A-M-A-M-A.org. Got to check it out. The greatest symposium for sustainable living in the world in 30 countries and 600,000 people. So that's my plug on that one. But the reason I bring that up is I have a 30-year tradition of wanting to create music or being a part of media artifacts that are designed to raise the level of conversation and help us become the change we wish to see in the world like Gandhi said you know so when i was approached 3 years ago by the producers of thrive the film is called thrive what on earth will it take and you can see or rent or buy the film at thrive thrivemovement.com and what i want to say to the audience is as as controversial as the film is I don't think there's been a more important film that connects the dots and lifts the veil of the ways in which we are being um, – uh, we are complicit and colluding with forces that are not um, focusing on a thriving, awakened world, but one that has invested interests in keeping uh, the 1% in control, um, the pharmacological industry in control the the old carbon energies in control and there are many controversies about this film but the thing i admire most about it and the thing i relate most to it dr dream and lia is it's it's focus is to raise the conversation their whole thing is join the conversation and be a part of the solution and they are incredible courageous Social Activist Warriors, this is Foster Gamble and Kimberly Carter Gamble, they, they have put more on the line on behalf of a thriving world than anyone I know. Um, and I, I really do feel like you, know, you, can, you can enter into a conversation about fighting them on different individual points, but when you really hear them and you, you know, get to really understand what their mission is, they're really believing that we all can co-create a thriving world. Um, And, in fact, we're creating a teleseminar at wisdomoftheworld.com. It starts February 8th. We have uh, Kimberly Carter Gamble is our host, uh, I mean our guest, um, at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And for those people that want to join in, it's a free introductory call, and it's called The Inner Game of Thriving. And um, I'm excited about it because, you know, this conversation, Dr. Dream, that we're having, a lot of people you know don't really understand how music and media can play a, a a significant role in awakening us to what matters most but so my interest is in weaving the connection of the word thrive to the inner game of thriving and that's the realm that we have control over how we respond to the outer events is going to directly relate to the world that we create as as being one that's based on fear and defensiveness and attacking versus one that's thriving and connecting and co collaborative and co-creative. So it's a long answer. You can tell I love to talk.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but I but I'm passionate about this stuff. You know, thriving to me has been an epiphany, uh, really. That it really what I noticed when I was working on this film was that I realized, and I don't think I'm alone here, that the meme of despair, of it not really being possible was living inside me like a tapeworm, and as a result of doing the music for this film and producing and arranging the title song, which you can download online at ThriveMovement dot com, I I now can say that I believe that we have the power, we have the capacity to collaborate in creating a thriving world. And I didn't have that before I did the score for this film, so wow. that's that's my that's my testimony about high recommendations to see the film. Did you see it? Yes, I did. Yeah. No. And and your experience?
0: I liked it. I mean, I think you know, I'm I'm right there with most of what's being presented. So you know, it's a bit of preaching to the choir. I know. Um, But um, but I loved it. You know, and 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 I'm really pleased with the media that is making its way out there, and. Um, cutting a a wide swath. I mean, you know, really um, touching more of the mainstream, uh, you know, than than a lot of things have in the past. I remember um, living in uh, Sedona, Arizona, and um, having, uh, you know, pretty much at the time, the largest uh, web development and marketing company in Sedona. We sponsored the Sedona Film Festival, and um that was the year that it was the second place that um what the belief do we know was was shown and and again this was this was years ago you know it's it, and and it 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 didn't have quite the i mean it 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 had a life of its own but didn't have quite the the broad range appeal um that that some of these films and different uh, uses of media are having now. And I'm just, you know, I'm thrilled about it. it it's going yeah. to take all these different channels and all these different perspectives and, and all of us finding what our passion is, finding what our passion is in changing the world and putting it out there to create that change that, that we all want.
3: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, and, and you know, it's amazing to me. After people see Thrive... I can tell you, nine out of ten people have all said, Well, I know all this information. I just never saw it in one place. And it's amazing to me. So, honestly, we all have. Um, I really do think that the biggest challenge is changing the belief system within. Is it really possible for us to impact a thriving world? And um, can we imagine it even? You know, I think if we can't imagine it aesthetically, if we can't literally imagine a world that thrives, we're not going to be able to create it, so that's why I say you know start creating it in your own ecosystem, of the ecosystem of your own heart and your own mind, and what better way to do it than in a way that inspires you and touches you and moves you like music or or media? So that's my religion.
0: <laughs> I love it. I'm religion. right there with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clearly,
3: obviously, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if we want to play uh, a, a track or. Oh, go ahead, Ilya.
2: No, no, no. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we play a track, and then we'll continue on uh, further along. I'd love to play a piece
3: of Bob Proctor, um, mostly because people can't believe it's him. And he's such a he, – what I did was I asked him, among many things that night when I recorded him, I said, if your words were, a, were an acupuncture needle going into the meridian of a, of, a, of a sick system, of a common illness that many people carry, what would you say? And almost like a psychic, he, I was going through a difficult period of, once again, that Jewish malady of I'm not good enough or I'm not enough or, you know, I'm like never enough. And I was going through a, a phase and he started speaking. And once again, I just, <laughs> tears started rolling down my eyes. Check this out. It's a beautiful, beautiful tonality that he reflects. Bob Proctor called the Affirming the Self.
4: I'm going to ask you to listen really carefully to something I've learned over many years. You seem to focus on a specific problem within you. You seem to treat it as a weakness. I'm going to ask you to release these weaknesses that you seem to focus on periodically. They're not important and they're not real. They are false. They're the expression of false concepts that have been placed in your mind. And as you release them, you can feel yourself replacing those perceived weaknesses with a greater power because you recognize that they are false. This is a much more aware universe and it calls for the talent and ability that you've obviously demonstrated in so many areas. And by releasing these false concepts that damage the image that you have of yourself, you're healed. There are no scars because they were all just illusions anyway. And you've let them go.
0: Definitely a Bob Proctor that I'm not used to.
3: Isn't that? Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. And he's such a beautiful soul. We, oh my God, I love him. I mean, I I didn't think I would love him, but I love him. He's great. And it's been such a privilege, you know. And I was, I actually played Graceful Passages for Elizabeth before she died, Elizabeth Kubler Ross, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. You know, she looked at me and she. if, If you listen to Graceful Passages, her message is so. Um, beautiful, but it's also her Swiss German accent. And she, when her voice came up and she was listening to the, her voice with the music, she said, "Who's speaking?" And I went, "It's you, Elizabeth." She said, "I can't understand her." You know,
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but she loved the work, and she—it was so beautiful to be able to have an experience with her before she died. So it's just been—it's been such a blessing. I'm telling you, being around these people, it's including our present company, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share this
0: work.
2: Well, it's Absolutely. just
0: obvious you're doing some amazing things out there. Go ahead, Elia.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to comment on uh, what we just heard and how, you know, it's all of these perceptions and belief systems that we have about ourselves. Um, once we can let those negative belief systems go, we make room for more positive belief systems that serve us in a way that, and really improve our life and it really shows us how we create our own reality um, simply uh, by our belief systems
3: and exactly. Exactly. I, want to
2: trans- I want to transition that into asking you um, Gary about uh, the times that we're in and the 2012 phenomenon and the shifting consciousness and how you see that all transpiring uh, not just in the year 2012 but beyond, you know, um, so if you can comment on that, that would be great. Well,
3: say a little bit more, because are you specifically talking about the whole 2012 birthing phenomenon that Barbara Marks Hubbard talks about, or say a little bit more about what you're you're particularly Yeah, yeah,
2: why why don't we talk about um, the birthing of the new earth, and um, what's happening now with with the transition of, of humanity, yeah.
3: You know, I, I rarely say this publicly, but um, when Michael Stillwater, who's just a phenomenal talent and a pioneer in, in healing music, he actually has a film out that's being premiered at the Palm Springs Film Festival coming up on February 7th. But when Michael and I got, a, were working on Graceful Passages 10, 11, 12 years ago, we went to a psychic. And whether you believe these things literally or not, the psychic said that we both were... You know our past lives were atlantean musicians, Atlantean technologists seeking to find a new way to communicate the language of the heart and spirit in a way that would align people to a direct knowing and Of course we didn 't finish because you know what we all know what happened in Atlantis, and that this work that we were doing with alchemical wisdom and graceful passages was a, a direct picking up of that dharmic commitment and What comes up for me, you know when they told us that this woman told us that it was so powerful Even if you just took it on the metaphoric or you know, you know the mythic level because for us it felt very much like we were stepping into a Dharma uh, a commitment that had to do with that extraordinary times required extraordinary measures extraordinary languages and new ways to communicate, accelerated ways to drop into what matters, you know. And Lord knows when you look at the the meme of media and the fear-driven culture, and you know, the, the, all the ways in which people are told what to feel, what to buy, how to think of themselves. Um, the need for a birth of a of a new meaning and a new language that connects people to their heart and their spirit in a way that. Unfortunately, the tragedy of 9/11 did. You know, everybody knows what that felt like in those six months after 9/11. were the field out there it was so tender, it was so vulnerable, it was so porous, it was so connected, and um, and we all prayed that George Bush, instead of invading somewhere, that we would actually, you know, look at, you know, what the Balinese did. The Balinese, when that bombing happened in Bali, you know what they did? They went inside as a culture and said we have done something out of balance to bring forth this malady to our chores. And if America had the emotional intelligence to, to reflect on the fact that we'd attracted, we'd created that hatred and that we were a part of the source of that, you know. So I'm you can tell I can go on and on, but I guess what I'm saying is I personally believe that media is the nervous system of the planet. And if we don't have the finest media and music and art creators step up to the plate. The artists as healers and shamans of the Great Awakening. The, the, the you know the key members of the architects of the Great Awakening. I feel are these new languages. And um, the, you know, there's just a lot of what I talk about is the artist as shaman, the artist as healer. And I I think that we I I don't believe. That we are going to get where we want to go and where we need to go, without the artists of the world, the media creators, the musicians, the poets stepping up to the plate as social artisans, um, using their languages to co-create um, a deeper sense of, of of urgency. You know that that this is the time. Now is the time for us to step up to the plate. The way the shamans of indigenous cultures did, so that's my fervent belief that, that the artists are actually playing a very important role, and um, I, I for one, would love to see like a gathering, specifically like a shaman, like artist as shaman gathering, that for all the artists, the media creators, the poets, the singers, the composers, that want to to gather together to say, okay, how can we co-create a new language? for collaborative co-creative for a collaborative co-creative world. Um, what can we create that can create new languages to pierce through the mainstream? So, um, that's my response to that question. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Now, Gary, I, you're always working on some fascinating projects. Um, I know you mentioned, uh, the thrive event you have coming up, um, In February, tell us a a few other things that we can expect from you um, here in the near future.
3: So, one of the things I'm working on, thanks to a wonderful, kind uh, app developer, because we're you know we're cash challenged at the moment, is we're developing an app for Wisdom Films, Um, and uh, we think that that ecosystem will be a perfect place for people to just tune in on the iPad or the iPhone and be able to access our Wisdom Films, our Wisdom Tracks, our Wisdom Moments and our thought leader focus, you know, those recordings we talked about. And that will probably be launched in about three months. I'm also really excited about the Safe in the Arms project, safeinthearms.com, because as important as the uh, facing our dying consciously is for a healing, transformed world, really focusing on the bonding project, the, you know, the work of Bruce Lipton, And are you familiar with his work, The Biology of Belief and The Power of Epigenetics? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) to me, his work, his and Steve Berman's work, Spontaneous Evolution, it's just such important work and how it applies to how we go to the next level of affirming the importance of bonding and creating a more conscious and mindful way for us to welcome the new beings on the planet so that they will inherit, uh, you know, bonding is directly linked to um, emotional self-regulation skills. And for many people who are being born today, to parents who don't understand that when they're not focused on the babies in an unconditional loving way, but instead are texting or emailing or phone calling while their babies are at the breast, they're doing such a disservice to their children and to the world who need these children to have emotional self-regulation skills. Because as you know, The world's not getting easier. It's getting more difficult um, to traverse through. So safeinthearms.com is this project I've done with David Surenda, the CEO of Kripalu.org, of the Kripalu Retreat Center, and Lisa Raffel, the song shaman and songwriter. And we're doing songs. uh, This book, Safe in the Arms of Love, Deepening the Essential Bond with Your Baby, is out. And you can buy it, and it's a book and CD set for anybody. Who wants to give a gift to people who are who are expecting a child? We highly recommend it. And then the sequel, Safe in the Arms, two is going to be a, a series of songs again reinforcing parents' inspiration for the new for the for the welcoming the newcomers in the world. So that, that's we're going to be that's going to be out in about three months as well. Um, and let me see, is there anything else? I'm working on a film uh, um, to heal the Khmer Rouge, uh, the first Cambodian filmmaker is going back to Cambodia, and it looks like I've got the job, and I'm going to score it in June. And I'm excited because my whole passion is integrating Indian music and and ethnic music and different cultures' music. So I get to go to Cambodia to do some research in April, and and, uh, I'm hoping that I'll do, I think I'm going to be doing the score for this film on healing Cambodia after the Khmer Rouge devastation. So there's exciting things coming up.
0: Wow! Absolutely amazing, amazing projects. I love the um, emphasis on the new arrivals, the new beings. Um, but then also, you you know, you, you go right into to Cambodia and everything. And I had a life changing trip to Cambodia in nineteen ninety five, uh, and um, so I will look forward uh, most certainly to that project from you.
5: Beautiful. Now,
0: Gary, we have a little bit of time left. Um, I want to put you on the spot, although I don't really think I can. Um, but we didn't talk about this, but it it becomes um, like a no-brainer for me that the last question um, to ask you is to, um, certainly you've been in your heart this whole time, but really to drop deep into your heart and uh, take a moment to to just sort of gather those thoughts, but you know, so many of us are um, either starting our search or continuing our search for answers, um, for meaning, um, for strength, for stability, for love. Uh, Your experiences um, have been and continue to be so deep-reaching. I would just like to invite you right now to share with us, sort of encapsulate, um, you know, so much of what has already been integrated into, um, you know, the foundation of who you are. And you've done that in the call, but, but I'm, I, I guess I'm asking for like a three, four five minute, whatever it's going to be, just sort of encapsulation. Like you ask Deepak and, and Bob Proctor um, and the others to do. And so I'd, I'd like to just kind of throw you into that space for for all of us
3: well what a what a privilege um before i go there i just want to say for those people who want to join our call on the teleseminar the telegathering the inner game of thriving go to wisdom of the and that's where all my products are but also that's where you can register for the free call on february 8th um which i'd love you to join our community and and that would be wonderful and i'd love you to join us too dr dream um and let me just drop in for a second um You know, I'll start with just when I was shattered with the 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 way my marriage ended in the middle of that summer of '98. I made a decision, which is very easy to do, that love is not possible, that true love is not possible, that connection with another wasn't really possible. Um, And you know, we we it's an understandable response when your heart gets shattered. And I made that decision, and I just buried myself in fathering and in raising this company um, to try to make it um, a gift to the world. But at the bottom of it all, I never knew how shut down my heart was in terms of what was really possible. And it took this remarkable woman who came into my life 18 months ago, who fell in love with my music before I even knew she was around, and found me and I recognized her and what happened was that I recognized the depth at which I had completely decided that love was not possible and so I have this story to tell about coming home to an awakening that love is real love is absolutely as miraculous and as real and as catalytic and as wrenching and as beautiful and as wild and gorgeous and beautiful and life-changing as ever, as any movie ever ever talked about, it's and beyond. And I I guess what I want to say as an offering is there's always something underneath what your mind thinks about what's possible that goes beyond. Anything you could have imagined that is at the heart of what this life is all about. It's a great mystery. And it always is There's a miracle awaiting the greatest, underneath the greatest challenge, the greatest sorrow, the greatest malady, the greatest illness. There's a gift awaiting you at every moment. And all I can say is use whatever means necessary. Nature is the ultimate. Breath is the next ultimate. Music is the one after that. Anything that can drop you into the present moment and feel the layers that have decided that love was not possible and awaken to the real truth that will reveal that it is not only possible, but it's what everything is made of.
0: Wow, <clears throat> well, you did it. You brought tears to my eyes. I appreciate uh where you're coming from and for a number of reasons, what you said actually touched me very, very deeply um, i'm uh. Hmm. Sorry, a God. little bit of a loss of words i am I, I, i'm just feeling so much
3: love for you both you guys thank you for creating a space where i could just be myself entirely thank you so much for that gift i you know the greatest gift you can give me or anyone is to give create a safe space for someone to show up to who they really are so you gave that to me so thank you thank you very much
0: well, and thank you then for taking full advantage of that opportunity. Um, I am uh, just in a place like steeped in a giant teacup of of gratitude, and and um, it's it's very meaningful to me um, to have had you on the broadcast tonight, just based on what my experience has been with you and my perception and, and how I feel each time I found myself in your presence. And they were fleeting moments, but there was no question that there was a shift of um the energy around me when I was standing there with you. And so um thank you so much. Uh we will be posting this tonight. It'll be archived on Blog Talk Radio. It'll be on iTunes. It'll be on our site. We'll send you links to everything, um, I will be contacting you after this in the next couple of days um, to talk about uh, seeing you when I'm up in San Francisco for the Best of RAW Awards on February 19th. Right around that time frame, hopefully you'll be around. I'll Love be you. in
3: England. I'll be in England offering a workshop. PSA Life Mastery. But anyway, I will. I will be in England and I'll miss you. But I. But next time for sure.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk before you leave. And I did see that trip um on your site you're doing some amazing things Gary Malkin thank you so much for sharing your past um your presence and um your vision for the future and your heart with us um you are making a difference out there and um we honor that in you and in ourselves thank you so much
3: thank you so much god bless both of you and everybody listening amen <laughs>
2: Thank you, Gary. Um, I just want to commend you personally for for your authenticity and for really, you know, being you and being the example of what a true authentic human being is. So thank you wow. for that.
3: What an honor! Thank you, thank you so much. And uh, good luck with everything. And I'm going, to, I'm going to spread this show high and wide. And I just wish you all the best with with spreading this beautiful energy to as far as. And to many people as possible. So good luck with this, okay?
0: Thank you Gary and we love you.
3: Uh blessings. Bye.
0: Bless Bye. So, Ilya, Bye. wow. Yeah. Gotta,
2: oh, wow.
0: Got to <laughs> tell you, you know, in our um intro we say um Dream Reality New Earth Radio where we remind you the choice is yours. And certainly tonight, um, Gary made it ever so easy for us all to be reminded that the choice is ours and um, inspiring and authentic and real and makes everything possible. So, Ilya, thank you for being here. Um, We will be back next week with Laura Fredrickson talking. She will be speaking to us about – Stealth Worth Beyond Net Worth, and if you have not experienced uh, Laura Fredrickson, she is amazing energy, and we're thrilled to have her, so another really incredible show coming up. Thank you all for being here. Ilya, thank you for just being on this planet at this time now. Um, If you weren't here, I wouldn't miss you because I wouldn't have known, but um, you've had a huge impact in my life, and I thank you, brother, so much love, and thank you to all our listeners. You keep us on this track of what our mission is about, and we appreciate you. Spread the love
2: and come back and uh,
0: see us next week or hear us. Much love, everyone.
2: Thank you all. Blessings of love. Good night.